0: For your sports talk fix every day from 4 to 6, it's Scalzo and Brust. Live
1: from the Gruber
2: Law Office, One Call, That's All Studios at Radio City. This is Scalzo and Brust, presented by Bud Light on 94.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand.
1: It's a party, baby.
0: Woo! It's a party, baby.
3: and again filling in for Scalzo and Brust and uh, I understand if it's you find that very irritating because I did as a as a listener you like their show they're not here They're fine where are they? Don't know don't care you shouldn't either once I tell you they're fine because it doesn't matter. You're going to feel better listening to me if you know that they're whatever it is they might be doing versus whatever it is they aren't doing. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, I'm Homer. Telly Hughes is also here. And I would say that uh, if you're a regular listener to this show, you're not at all surprised that they're both not here in the uh, month of August. Homer, I
0: have a question. Yes. Of what you would call your friends... How many do you know what they do professionally? You strike me as somebody who you're a very caring person, but it seems like something low on your priority list to know what someone does as a profession or much about them.
3: Um, Yeah, curious a little bit. Not if it has some impact on me. Like, <laughs> do I care what my neighbors do? No, not really. <laughs> um but if you it, run a sports book or something well, you need to <laughs> no it's 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 probably a pathetic uh, commentary on me but uh in recent time when people ask me things, I automatically now ask them the same question. <laughs> it's a good move so how are your kids and you tell me hey, now, how are your kids <laughs> Do I really care about their kids Probably not no but I think if they ask and care about mine or are curious, maybe I should be curious about theirs. But
1: what if they Like and
3: after I know, I forget immediately unless cracked. unless there's some connection that um, and then I if it's some weird thing then I you know totally remember.
1: Yeah. But what if they don't really care and they're just saying that just to be nice?
3: Yeah, they might. I don't know.
1: And but yeah. if you get that vibe, would you still ask oh, back? Oh yeah. 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 And, or would you be like, you don't care about my kids. Uh, I don't care about
3: yours. That's what I would have said. And now
1: I go. <laughs> now softened
3: up. I've softened up because that's not what you do. That's what people do now. And instead of arguing, you just find, okay,
1: hey, how are you doing? Fine. How about you? It's all just. Yeah, you know what people love to do? Talk about themselves. Yeah, right. So you just you, know, you just ask them,
3: hey, how's the job going? And I think, boom. They're golfed to the races. Right. I think once in a while something might occur. Um, like somebody told me that, that like you interrupt way too much. And I go, no, I don't. They go, well, you do. I go, no, I don't. I interrupt when there's weak talk. Somebody <laughs> said, I just made this up. I did. I just came. It's a great way. Like, I'm not going to listen to weak talk. I'm going to say something better, and then we'll go from there.
1: So are you allowed to dispute your own self-evaluation? Because in your eyes, you say you don't interrupt a lot. Well
3: no but I interrupt because I think I'm helping the conversation because somebody's involved in weak talk. Now, so what if somebody interrupts me? All right, I can I immediately listen to what they say and go well that's worse than mine. now, if it's
1: better because than because you don't have weak
3: talk well no, I, but they might be right if they come up with something better and then I'll listen and I won't interrupt. But if they interrupt my talk with weak talk, I'm coming right back and I'm interrupting them again. So anyway, I don't know how we got there what well, you asked if I
1: if you actually care about what people do. yeah, but yeah. Josh, you know I, I it made me think about something that's something I rarely ask people because once people find out what you do mm-hmm. then all of a sudden that's yeah. all they want to talk about. And so like the entire time, especially like in golf outings and stuff and, and I get it, I you know people want to know how some of the athletes that you covered are in you know in real life or whatever sure. yeah. but you' you'll play all 18 and you you'll be like I never found out what he does. Because they're so interested in what you do. So it's something that I I rarely ask. It's not because I don't care, but it's because people want to hear more about some of my yeah. experience.
0: The reason I brought it up largely, too, was because after some self-evaluation and talking with my girlfriend, she realized I don't know what a lot of my friends do. I can give you a general idea, but I just truly don't know. So I felt like Homer might be in a similar a similar, uh edge of edge of the conversation to
1: me no you're gonna always have that worse you're 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 always gonna have that when you have a girlfriend or a wife or something because they always want to know the stuff that you don't ask yes like i'll get off the phone with a friend of mine and i'll be like oh man we're uh we're gonna you know hang out a little later so what is his wife gonna wear
0: um, I don't know.
1: Why would I ask what his wife is going to wear? Great. And then she'll be like, "Well, I mean, you should ask stuff like that." So you're always going to ask questions that they don't care about or they don't feel as though it's important. Because there's a lot of my friends, like I don't, I'm like, man, I don't know what they do. And it's like, well, how don't you know what right, they you do?
3: Play golf with somebody, and they'll say, "We didn't go." Like, I, I don't know. We just play golf. Uh, don't right. you ever Don't you ever talk when you played eighteen holes? Yeah. yeah about yeah, but golf. Right. But like you don't ask about this going on or that going on? No.
0: no.
1: <laughs> you selfish twit is the look you get. You go like, maybe, but we're just playing golf. It's uh, right. I don't like mm. I mean so I'm, I I know exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you about the siding you, on your house. Right, and
3: then if you don't answer <laughs> have an answer for one question, they will ask you another question. But did you ask them about that? Don't you get that I'm going to have no answer to anything? Yeah, but their wife did this or their family something in the uh, like, family like They didn't, didn't tell you? They like. didn't
1: Yeah, or you didn't think about it?
3: Never crossed.
1: Never mind. crossed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time, so get used to it.
3: <laughs> and you can tell I'm worse. Homer's even even worse. Part of it is asking them. As I, I've uh, my, my only self realization now that I realize that I don't have the same problem Aaron Rodgers does because I've never had any difficulty with conditional self love uh, or unconditional, unconditional. self love. <laughs> um, like maybe I. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a little selfish. Well, and so if I could at least fake it by asking uh just repeating the question that's asked me, and I am curious about things, so sometimes they bring up something that leads to some uh curiosity, but
0: I I I'm more like you than I'd like to admit, Homer, and I don't mean that as an insult. You can't I mean offend that, me with I mean, that. I mean that as self-reflection because yes. I've done the same where I just repeat back because, I mean, I truly don't care that much about what project you just completed on your house. What does it matter to me? Right, right. <laughs> I'm not okay. going to remember it next time either. Right, but
3: once in a while, you can keep track of the percentage. Yeah, They'll bring up something that might benefit you. Right. Which, again, is even being more selfish because I don't care about you unless it helps me. <laughs> but I don't have to give them that information, But so it just gets worse. So I didn't ask him anything, and I was kind of selfish. Now I ask him something, and I realize I'm even more selfish than I thought before. All right, enough with Jason. Do we break before Jason? Because yep. we didn't get. Uh, I do want to play this. We'll do this quick. The one by by Lafleur about the improvement for love over the past year. Because I I want Telly to comment on Lafleur's comments. I want to know what crosses your mind first. Because I've heard this, and I want to know after you hear it, or if you want to stop it at any point. Uh, this should be a segment now. Telly comments. <laughs>
2: Jordan,
1: you know, you got to give him a lot of credit, too, just being receptive to to all the coaching, but also learning from the other guys. And I think, uh, I don't know how you guys see it, but the way I see it and seeing it on a daily basis, I think he's light years ahead of where he was a year ago. And so I think
2: if you asked our guys in that locker room, every one of them would tell you they got a lot of confidence in him. And uh, I think that, we could, we we would all agree in that locker
1: room that he's he's one of the most improved guys uh, over the last year. My comment is that is a lie. You will not go to everybody in that locker room, and everyone gives a ringing endorsement about Jordan Love. I think that is coaches talk. I also think that that is exactly what Matt Lafleur has to say. And he said that give him a lot of credit because he's been receptive to coaching. If you play the way that he's played while he's been in a Packers uniform, you can't stink and be a jerk about getting coached. You got to have something going for you. So yes, he should be receptive to anything that's going to make him better. So that whole Rip of sound right there was the worst waste of breath that Matt LaFleur had probably all day when he made that comment. I'm not
3: going to argue with any of that. Giving him credit for being receptive to coaching Uh, really is breathing up there somewhere. (laughs) But it tells me that anybody, and I don't know who it was Josh or somebody, that thought that there's a different spin that they're giving about Jordan Love. To me, this is another great example. They've decided they're going to be very positive about Jordan Love, and I'm not sure that he realized that him being very positive kind of tells us like, if he's that much better in his opinion now. Cause, Where was he? Yes. Yeah. No one says he's that good. I don't say, but I mean, I like some of what I'm seeing, but to act like that goes, man, you must have really thought he was really bad before yeah. because you're, or they think they're They've taken a spin that we're gonna we're gonna pump him up for whatever reason.
1: Well, I mean, we know the reasons. The reason is that you want to get something when you and it's time to dump him Okay. because you know he's probably not going to be your future number one quarterback. Let me ask so, one question. Okay,
3: do they really think the other people? That's stupid. Well, I I mean, but... They can watch the tape. Oh, but LaFleur said he's really getting good. I'll get uh, yeah. him now.
1: Uh, yeah, well, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, there's no benefits to bad-mouthing him either. Correct. Yes. So, I think that you... I mean, the tape shows everything that you need to see, and it doesn't matter what you hear, but I think it helps a little bit if you're hearing positive things. Like, he's a great... Because it's going to go, at some point... When you're not producing on the field, what else are you bringing? And if you're labeled a good locker room guy, that is tacked on two or three years to a lot of backup quarterbacks' careers. When it come, when they get older and they're like, well, they've been in locker rooms. or in, in Jordan Love's case, he's been around a four-time MVP. He knows what it takes or whatever. He just can't go out there and do it himself. So he may end up being labeled a, a good locker room guy, but – He's not labeled as a good quarterback well, right now. And as you said it, and I'm
3: sure this may have been discussed, what's the benefit of being so negative? Yeah.
1: Versus you got enough Packer fans that are negative right. on him, so you don't need to pile on. Correct. Jason <laughs> Wildy next. You're listening to Bud Light Scalzo, and Brust.
0: Well, sometimes it's a, it's a doozy to figure out what time it is because Wait, I'm looking down. What's this? And plus, this? when the long, when the long hand and the short hand cross. <laughs> <laughs> Like, 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 it's a little confused. Was this just you, a long way of you trying to tell us you don't use your watch because you have a hard time reading it? Let's not have a hard time.
2: It's just, it's harder. Subscribe to the Scalzo and Brust podcast free on the Wisconsin On Demand app and wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Can't wait to hear from Jason Wildy. Practice, Jordan Love, maybe there's something. Oh, David Bakhtiari. I don't know. I always love to ask what's at the top of your list. Good afternoon, Jason. Hello, Steven. How are you? I'm trying Again. to do a Gabe Neitzel. I was told I, uh, I've got two shows in a row, and, but uh, it ends there. They, don't, uh, they won't let me do mm-hmm. a third. Oh, good
2: good decision. I feel like Thanks. I just talked
3: to you. You did, so. yes, because you were late than normal because of uh, the practice. and, um, I, Like I said, what's, what's at the top of your list? What's the biggest? We're getting close to the start of the season, and I think the offensive line, everybody has to be as confident as they ever thought possible with the addition of David Bakhtiari, if it should be viewed as that positive. Should it?
2: Uh, no, it's definitely positive, and and as we talked about on Homer and Tony, like he fully is geared up for playing in the opener. That is obviously his focus. I wanted to read for you since, uh, and if folks missed my 3:45 late appearance with you and Tony, now they can listen to me with you and Telly. But I had mentioned some of the things Rogers had said, and now that I have my transcript in front of me. I can tell you a few of those things. Um, I asked him about changing standards for Dobbs and the rookies since those rookies are coming in without the same established quality wide receivers as Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings were in 2011 when Cobb came in or as Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb were in 2014 when Adams came in. And he said... And this is different than what he said last week. So I'm, I'm intrigued by his thought process. And if he recognized that maybe he was a little tough on Romeo Dobbs and Amari Rogers last week, he said, quote, I think you have to be real about the expectations with all those guys. And at the same time, hold them to a standard of what they're capable of at this time, based on those expectations that are realistic. That does not sound to me like the same thing as if I can't trust you, you're not gonna be on the field. If you drop the ball, you're not gonna be on the field, right?
1: It does. It it's so it sounds completely different. Do you think that I, I think the other thing that that caught me about that statement that you made, Jason, was Aaron said his cap what what they are capable of. Does he really know fully what they're capable of? Or he just felt like they were capable of doing more than what they were showing right now?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, Tully, because I I think if he's being honest, they're not capable of as much as he would like them to be capable of. But at the same time, they might be capable of more than another rookie who, you know, if if they would have drafted somebody else or drafted a, you know, it was interesting to see Chris Olave in here for a couple of days with the Saints. Like, I wonder what that would look like. I mean, there's a guy who was a high pick in the first round, a guy who the Saints traded up for, a guy who played at Ohio State. So he's more, I mean, let's be honest, even if Christian Watson hadn't missed time, and even if they like his potential in terms of his size and his athleticism and his speed, he played at North Dakota State, which is a great 1AA program, but it ain't Ohio State. And Romeo Dobbs has been really good. He's had his down times, but he's a talented guy. At the same time, he played at Nevada. And when he was coming out of high school, he was a corner, and Oregon recruited him as a corner, not as a receiver. So, you know, these guys are just at different points in their NFL preparedness journey. And I think that's why, and I'll be honest, that's why what he said last week I found personally bothersome because I didn't think he was taking into account what these guys are up against and how his responsibility is to figure out ways as the Hall of Famer to make them productive even with whatever inexperience and shortcomings they may currently have, which two years from now, They may be closer to, or should be and will be closer to finished products, and they'll know more about what he wants if he's still playing, as opposed to right now where I just feel like you have to figure out a way to give them the best chance to succeed. And that was kind of my point in our conversation with him today.
1: Yeah, I thought that that was a very aggressive way to try and motivate these guys by saying you're not going to be out there. I mean, this is – it, th- these are professionals you're talking about so you know they're going to get up to speed with due time but speaking of that Christian Watson what uh, how is he progressing and does he look like week one will be a possibility
2: yeah I, I think he will definitely be ready for week one I don't know how good he'll be and I don't know what his role will be but of the three other guys that have come back from injuries David Bakhtiari yesterday Elton Jenkins, and Robert Tunyon last week. Watson's the only one doing 11-on-11. And obviously his injury was also significantly less serious than what those guys have all been dealing with. So I think if you're being realistic, he's the one who's the most ready to play in a game. I would think he'll play Thursday night. At least there's a very, very good chance he plays Thursday night. And now it's a matter of how quickly can he get up to speed given all he's missed.
3: Is there any way to, for you to have a better feeling about how good Rodgers thinks any or all of these players are?
2: Ooh, good question. Um, I, I, I just thought it was interesting that he clearly softened his um, position on Dobbs and I, I'm not saying he read what all of us wrote, but I think uh, Rob Domovsky, the Journal Sentinel, Matt Schneidman, Bill Huber at Sports Illustrated, and I all wrote similar things where the theme was, look, the kid's going to drop passes, he's not going to know the offense as well as a fifth-year or sixth-year veteran, but he's too damn talented to keep him on the bench. And so they're they're going to have to alter their if I can't trust you, you can't be on the field position. And, and I thought it was interesting, you know, after the game, I asked Matt LaFleur that kind of point blank. Um, and, and he said, you know, well, we'll see where we are in week one, but he talked about all the good things that they had seen from Romeo Dobbs. And, and I'm not saying that it was necessarily a rebuke of what Aaron had said. Um, but I did think it was significant that he kind of said, "Look, he's too good. We got to play him. He's he deserves to be on the field. He's done a ton of good things, and we really like what we've seen from him." And I, to me, that's the that's the reality of trying to find that space where you can allow an inexperienced guy to still help your team. And you can put him in position to succeed. Um, when, I, when I asked LaFleur and said, look, Aaron said, if you drop the ball, you can't be on the field. But hasn't what Dobbs has done shown you that he has to be on the field because he's one of your best weapons that you currently have? And he said, uh, we'll see when we get there. I think Romeo's a guy we've got a lot of confidence in. And certainly he made some big plays. He's a guy that's pretty resilient. He doesn't get phased by a negative play. He just keeps playing. That's what excites you about him. You see a guy with really good feet. He's gotten really good in his transition. He's got a burst. He's been able to separate, which is something that's tough to coach. Guys can either do it or they can't. There's stuff to clean up for certain, but he's a guy that we are excited about. We'll see where we are at week one. And the fact that he said he has, been able to separate, which is something that's tough to coach, I think he gets more separation than anybody they have. In watching him in every practice, I think he gets more separation than Lazard. I think he gets more separation than Cobb. I just think that while you might not know exactly how precisely he's going to run his route, I think he's the one who's got right now the most youthful talents and the idea of not playing him because your quarterback has doubts about him. I think Aaron Rodgers basically acknowledged today that that's not that's not realistic. He belongs on the field and now it's up to the coaches and to Rodgers to figure out a way to make him be at his best. Lastly,
3: there's discussion appropriately of like which receivers are going to make the squad. Nah, nah, I don't care about that. I want a Jason Wildy ranking of the wide receivers from best. Cool.
2: Nice job, Josh. Um, Alan Lazard, one. Please Romeo know that Dobbs. you can
3: change these on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, Romeo Dobbs, two. Sammy Watkins, three. Christian Watson, four. Randall Cobb, five, although obviously Rodgers sees him as, like, one B. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Amari Rodgers is six. I I don't think they're going to cut him. I think there are people that think they might, and I just don't see that happening, them giving up. I mean, even Jay Sternberger got a second year. When you're
3: drafted, where you're drafted is huge to how many, how much time you yeah.
2: get. And I don't think he's had that bad of a camp. I mean, okay. he's certainly had some mistakes. So then, then the power rankings after that are, you know, are they going to keep seven? And is it Juwan Winfrey or Samari Touré? Um, I think pretty clearly Rogers wants it to be Juwan Winfrey. Now, do they keep seven? I personally think you could cut each of those two and get them back on the practice squad. I don't think you need seven receivers because it's not like when they had Jordy and Cobb and uh, Jennings and driver and Jones. And they had all these, like none of these guys are at that point. You're keeping Dobbs because he's been good, but he's also a draft pick and you're keeping Watson no matter what, because he's a second round pick. You're keeping Watkins because you really don't have anybody that much better than him. Mm -hmm. So, You know, I think they're going to keep six at at least, and then they're going to have to decide whether they want to use a seventh spot on Juwan Winfrey, who I think edges out Samari Touré, who ends up on the practice squad. Thanks for the list. You're welcome.
0: Jason, did you get the opportunity to ask Aaron Rodgers the question or maybe someone in the beat pack about uh, why, maybe if he would have been able to help the young wide receivers by showing up to minicamp?
2: Someone did ask that question, yeah mm. and um he uh chuckled or smirked, um which uh, again, we, as you well know, Josh, as an avid listener to and Touch, mm-hmm. that was I was working my way up to that. I had gotten a few other Butter him up a little and, bit and, he smirked because well, then he knows it, those
3: exercise things are a waste of time, and he can't you can't get much done there, so why go
2: um I mean, I guess, uh, again, I don't necessarily agree with that position, but he may believe that. But, yes, he was asked, uh, his response um, was, uh, it, it, and it was asked as, do you think the young guys would be further along had you come to the at least some of the off-season program besides the too many camp practices? He says, uh, you know, not really. Training camp is a long experience. There's plenty of time for conversations, for practice, for a lot of the things that we expect them to do in the regular season. I rely on the coaching staff to pass on the message as we're learning the offense, and then I'm kind of the 202-level professor. They've got to get the base concepts, and when I come in, we have the offense outside of the paper offense. So he sees himself as... Yeah. Letting the coaches teach uh, Packers offense 101 and 102 and apparently even 201. And then he's coming in to teach Packers offense 202. So second semester of year two, I guess. If right, exactly what I said.
3: He thinks it's a waste of time for him to come, given his analysis of the process, right? Do you think he's right? I will, I will uh, accept whatever club you're in. Do I think he's uh, right? Yes, I think he's right um, because I generally, in all those things, I think he's right about everything in terms of analysis of the position, the process, and all that stuff. Um, is it possible that's made up? Because he's viewed that time as time that he's away. Uh, yes, <laughs> so yeah. I but- will defer to you because I just think you have a a great way to see him and to observe as to which of those two things he's doing, because it's it's one or the other,
2: right? Yeah. I, I You know, I have been, I was very blessed to have some amazing professors during my time at the University of Wisconsin. Um, I think that any extra time I spent with Professor Hoyt or Professor Anderson was beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't believe that just because you teach uh, the 202-level class that if I spend time with you and I'm still a freshman and you tell me more things about journalism or, in his case, football, uh, I think I would benefit from those. So uh, you don't have to necessarily uh, teach the syllabus for your 202 class, but you probably have some insights that you could share with a first or second semester 101, 102 student that could better prepare them to be academically successful.
3: Thanks, Jason.
2: All right guys. Take care. Be good.
3: I I'm really surprised he gave the ranking. I thought I was going to have to ask no him way. no, I thought I was going to ask him to think about it and maybe he'll do it tomorrow. But that made it even better. Lazard, Dobbs, Watkins, Watson, Cobb Rogers. I don't have to ask him why.
1: You can ask him who will replace Watkins after right, he I mean, gets he, hurt,
3: right? You know, like so. What? What do you think? The list tells you what you kind of you know suspect about. You know, Watkins is a veteran guy, and he's behind Dobbs.
1: Yeah, that's not good.
3: Well, whether it's good, whatever it is, it's that's that's of note
1: because Dobbs is going to probably. There's no way, get- Dobbs
3: should be ahead of Watkins. Period
1: well, I mean would what you what's the best ability Homer, yeah, availability, yeah, and availability is something that Sammy Watkins has not been able to do throughout right. his career,
3: right, but whatever you see from Dobbs, it's still j v and all this kind of stuff, and you know there are people, and that 's why I'm glad he did that would have Watkins as number two just because he's breathing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sounds you know, like, like it.
3: This guy's done it. What has this guy done? He's done some good things in the JV, but that either is an impressive indication of how good they think that kid might be,
1: or <laughs> Watkins is done. <laughs> Next. You're listening to Bud Light, Scalzo, and Brust. Well,
0: what was your favorite thing to do I in third grade, I, Third grade? I, so, oh, third grade, I got no. in trouble. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's walking out of the studio I got this guys, don't worry Scalzo and Brust. I got in trouble because I took scissors And I cut the person I sat next to's shirt What? In order to make up for it I then took the teacher <laughs> out for lunch with my mom Sucked up, you know And I was like really what? sucked. Like, whoa, 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 whoa Like she knew I wasn't a bad kid I just made a mistake, lapse of judgment <laughs> It basically just gave me a slap on the wrist and said, don't do that again. And then Kelly O'Kelly and my mom and I went out for lunch uh, in third grade. This is the problem with America today. Your parents, your teacher, nobody's like You you don't think consequences exist for your actions. And then you continue to just leave a path to destruction behind you while everyone else picks up the damn mess.
2: Whoa. Subscribe and listen to Full Show Podcasts available free on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Yes, the list of wide receivers by Jason Wilde, Lazar, Dobbs, Watkins, Watson, Cobb, and Rogers. And he understands that if Aaron Rodgers looked at it, he would punch Jason for having Randall Cobb fifth on the list. Um, I don't believe Aaron Rodgers would have Randall Cobb fifth if the other f- choices were Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice, and Jerry Rice. <laughs> He'd still put him up there as Randall Cobb is that special, but that's his um, boy. that's his that is definitely his boy. Uh, also, um we didn't finish the thing with the with the with the Brewers because, and I certainly want to bring him up because. The Brewers are doing something special tonight, Uh, and that is they're playing the Dodgers. And people need to know the Dodgers are, well, they were on the pace to win 114. Uh, I'd have to check to see whatever the pace is now. Um, They're 84 and 36. No, you, you can't be that good.
1: 84 Four and, 36. and 36. Yes. They are 38, 38 games, games yes. over 500. San Diego,
3: the Padres um have a better record than the Brewers and they are 18 games out. <laughs> um the Brewers actually it's fair and easy cuz it's not they're, they're they're 20 game 20 games back of the of the Dodgers. 20. Wow.
1: And, Eight, they they're at 84 wins. Yeah. You know sometime you only need 88 or 90 wins to win yeah. a division. Yeah, no. So they can win six more and just say, you know what, we quit until right. postseason. No, you're
3: watching an elite, historically yes. elite yes. team. And there's no guarantee they're going to win everything because Seattle had that amazing year when they yeah. won 114. But the difference is, this, unlike that Seattle team, this Dodger team has won a World Series. They're winners
1: within the last Correct. three years, right?
3: So they they know and have won. So uh, they they've got a ring and they're kicking some serious butt. So as much as you want to watch the Brewers, you need to realize you are watching one of the great regular season teams to this point in the history of Major League Baseball.
1: Next, you're listening to Bud Light
0: Scalzo and Brust. Do are you, you know where rolling Mammoth, Mammoth is? I do. I have saw it in 10,000 B.C., the movie. i <laughs> never even heard of that movie. I don't understand how his references are always so obscure. <laughs> Everything in his brain comes from the wrong place. It's always filed in the wrong
2: spot. Subscribe to the Scalzo and Brust podcast free on the Wisconsin On Demand app and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Maybe we're just trying right. to
3: at 6 in Milwaukee, on the T in Madison, Spain, and Fitz. Beaver Dam, we're not sure. But it's the first day, right? It is. Inaugural. Yeah. First day.
0: You <laughs> are used to hearing Homer and Telly. They fill in a lot in August. That's <laughs> right. They'll
3: think, uh... What's that? Who's, who's on... Scalzo and Brost, I'm not not familiar with that. <laughs> it's like when uh Greeny's on his show. I don't know somebody can keep track of the numbers. He's definitely on that show less than half the days. There's no way he makes 50%. But he has tons of other duties, so I it's not uh it's not a commentary, it's just an observation. Um if you listened and he was on, you'd think he was the. Where, where's the? Who's the? Who? Yeah, we're the we we're, we're the regulars. All right, since we got into the Dodgers, how incredibly good they are. We did not get to uh, Brent Suter. Now he was was it a follow up to Lauer, or was it just what's this the was connection? part of the
0: post game when they were talking about how the Brewers can turn things around and how the vibe is in the clubhouse. So here's Brent Suter.
1: We're banding together. We're keeping it loose. Uh, we're doing. You know, the best thing we did the Starbucks run yesterday, we're kind of getting back into even normalcy from like 2019 feel um, in here and just trying to just um, hang out a little bit more off the field too, just like trying to grow together because we know this is the group we want to win a, a ring with, and um, yeah, we're just banding together. Yeah, it's, it's great, great vibes, especially considering you know how other things are going, all that stuff. Like, it's good vibes in here. We want to keep it going. There you have it. Telly, you're shaking your head. What? Sounds forced. Sounds forced. Like I think they would probably are, agree it's those, forced. You got to
3: start somewhere.
1: Yeah, but team chemistry and bonding and stuff doesn't come when it's mandated. It comes just naturally, organically. And he's saying, "Oh, you know, they had the rookies go across the street to get Starbucks for the vets. That's not going to make you win ten more games." I, yeah, that's called tradition. That's nothing different than anybody else that got a September call up has to do once they get to the big club. So I think, like, because they have played such bad baseball over the last three weeks, they just starting to press and they starting to try and fig- I mean, find ways to say, okay, what is going wrong? Why are we playing this poorly? and it may have something to do with a little of everything. So I don't think it was the hater, just the hater trade. I don't think it was just they don't feel connected. It's not just they weren't hitting. It's not they just weren't pitching. It was a combination of all of it. It was a perfect storm, and it all kind of came to a head right around the time they traded hater.
3: Yeah, I think they're. I think they agree totally with you. And then they go, "All right, Telly, you're a hundred percent right." Now, what the hell do we do?
1: Well, well we just kind of, just kind of keep trying, keep, keep, keep trying. Keep, yes. Yeah, you just you you keep plugging away, and and sometimes it's it's one at bat, it's one inning, right. it's one game that can turn everything around, and you can actually pinpoint that and say, "Okay, that was a turning point," but. I, I, you just gotta keep trying, you gotta keep plugging away until you have that moment where you can turn the tide
3: I, and I always think the best thing they have is counsel, who's like a robot as far as baseball, his ability to just keep the same level and so there's gonna be nothing uh, from the manager that can be a part of that because that's not who he is and he'll be the same after they lose 10 in a row or play badly And but yeah, I think they've as I said, I think they figured it out, but they got to deal with it this year. I'm unless they change because they know it's not council. He's and they've bounced back in the past. They've had these incredible Septembers in the past. The rules aren't entirely the same, so they know they can get it done. If they don't get it done or they collapse, their answer is going to be the one that's very simple, and that is this group doesn't have it. Yeah. and we've got We may have to change. Need better hitting, or, but this group doesn't have it.
1: And and also, you got to pay attention to every word that Souter was just saying. We want to win a ring with this group, right? So you're basically saying it's up to management to keep this group together because right. we feel good about this group. And so I think you just have to be careful about when you say certain things and certain words because everybody can read into it differently. And the way I read into it is it's like, all right, we need to show management that we can win because if not, they're going to start just plucking us away. And that's not a good attitude to have.
3: And it just surprises me they could be that negative looking at the success they've had in recent years and the success they've had with the manager and GM. I think they could easily say, this kind of sucks. But you know what? We got an experienced group that have won in the past and will win again. And we haven't heard that even with those thoughts. So uh, on the team, Milwaukee and Madison, Spain and Fitz. And yes, as odd as it sounds. Scalzo and Brest will be on Scalzo and Breast tomorrow. And the rest of the week, we think.
2: Northbound 43, we have an accident at North Avenue off on the left shoulder. Watch out for about a nine minute ride from downtown to Good Hope Road. Southbound 43, also on the brakes, 25 minutes to get from.